This is How to Become a Pro Wrestler, the podcast. Where we teach you the skills you need to go from your living room to the main event. What's up, guys? Welcome back to How to Become a Pro Wrestler, the podcast. My name is Coach John. I'm at the table today with Aaron, as always. Aaron, what's going on, man? Hey, John. Not a whole lot going on today other than recording this podcast. I'm excited. have a major, major topic today. It's going to help anybody that's looking to get to the main event, looking to get into the WWE. That's right. What, what do we got on the agenda, man? Let, let them in on it. So, guess what, guys? You can't get any more important than this if you're trying to make a career out of pro wrestling. Today, we are going to go to the WWE's website and we are going to take you step-by-step through what the WWE looks for in new recruits. What else could you want to know if you're trying to start your journey out as a pro wrestler, if you're trying to put your foot in the right direction, then actually what they say are the main things they look for new recruits for their performance center. So that's what we're going to talk about today, guys, and I... I'm ready to dive right into it, but before we do, I want you to head on over to Facebook, head on over to Instagram, type in at how to become a pro wrestler, join us on there. I'm dropping all kinds of cool stuff on Instagram every single day, and on Facebook, you can join our private Facebook group where you can dive deep into all of these topics, talk to me and Aaron right right there in person on the live in the group you can also talk to your other peers that are listening and following along with this episode we do q and a's we do all kinds of cool stuff in there head on over to facebook and instagram and join us all right let's jump right into it all right aaron what is the first thing on the wwe's bullet point list and the first thing that they have bulleted that they are looking for in their recruits is world class athleticism all right so as a strength coach conditioning coach and me as a fitness coach in general i mean athleticism is kind of our wheelhouse right we're trying to promote athleticism and healthy living for everybody especially pro wrestlers which is what we're here for guys so world class athleticism the first thing i want to do for you is break down what is athleticism what does that word even mean so simply put that's your athletic ability that's your strength your speed, and your agility, and how it relates in your body, what you're capable of love. So let's talk about what the difference between athleticism and world-class athleticism means. So coming from me, I mean, so world-class athleticism means you are going above and beyond your average high school, college athlete, or you're just, you know, really strong gym bro, whatever that may be, you are not sitting on those standards anymore. You are trying to create a world-class set of strength, speed, and agility skills. The only way to become world-class is to practice above and beyond any standard measure, preferably under a coach who can push you past your limits. Coaching is so important, guys. I'm a coach. Aaron's a coach. We're here to help you push beyond your limits. There's so many great coaches out there, but even coaches need coaches, right? I have a coach. I do myself in my own training and athletic ability and stuff because I sometimes don't specifically program for myself as 
good as I do for other people. I mean, what, and what I say by that is a lot of times when I'm writing programming for me, I play to my strengths a lot. Yeah. I really do. It, it's, just, it's just a biased nature of programming, right? I, I play to my strengths. So sometimes you need that outside person looking in to program to some of your weaknesses, to really bring you from this just really good athlete to this world-class athlete. So let's talk about a couple of examples of world-class athletes. I mean, an easy one is Mark Henry, right? That's in the strength department. So Mark Henry, WWE world champion, actual world's strongest man who performed world-class feats of strength. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've heard countless interviews with Mark Henry. You can go find those over the years. He said straight off the bat, if I wasn't world's strongest man, they would have never tried to hire me. That's what they wanted me for. Because he was not because he was a wrestler, not because he had any background in pro wrestling whatsoever, even as a fan, but because he was a world-class athlete. He was this amazing strength performer. And if you want to think about somebody more modern, modern, think about someone like Ricochet in the WWE. That is a world-class speed and agility athlete. That is someone that does things that no one else can do. This guy is absolutely insane, and he's on TV today. So that's an example. There's, there's multiples, but those are two that really stuck out to me right off the top of my head of doing things that, are, that could truly be considered world-class. So I know, I, know, I know, Aaron, you're a strength coach as well. So, I mean, am I, I'm right when I say things like that, right? When you say sometimes you need someone to look at you from the outside and push you to a new level of building your own athletic performance. Yeah, that's a coach's job. A coach's right. job is to see something in you that maybe you don't see in yourself, and he can see kind of the vision for what you need to do to get to that point. So he's going to be able to take those weaknesses and say, man, this is where we need to work. And he, like you said, if I'm programmed for myself, I do the same thing. Like, <laughs> ah, I don't know if I feel like doing that. But if there was a coach, if I had the coach writing the program, he'd be like, listen, your hamstrings are weak. We yeah. got to fix that. Yes. And you're going to be doing these RDLs every freaking day. Absolutely. And I would do it because he told me to, and I want to get to the level of That's world right. class or whatever I'm training for. But if you look at the WWE website, mm -hmm. it'll say what we look for in recruits. And on there, it gives a list and it says backgrounds, including the NFL, right. mixed martial arts, Olympics, collegiate athletes, military, bodybuilding, gymnastics, mm -hmm. and more. So all of that, almost everything on there is world class. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's what we're talking about. When, before we go, I mean, I don't want to go any further specifically into world-class athleticism because I think that if I start going any deeper, I'm going to get into the next bullet point, which kind of could be considered in that one, but they broke it into two separate ones, so so are we. So, Aaron, what's next on their list? Yeah, the next bullet point is size, flexibility, strength, and agility. So there you go, guys. So that all plays into athleticism. They list this separately from athleticism, which should show you this, exactly how important it is to them that you are physically superior to the average athlete, okay? They've broke those two things, which really could be considered under the same umbrella, into two different bullet points. So guys, how important is it? How important is it that you need to be an athlete, that you need to be strong, that you need to be flexible, Agile, all these great things. So let's talk about each one of these things. Let's talk about size. So of course size includes height, and we all know it's no secret WWE likes big tall guys. It happens, okay? You can't really control that, but it also includes your physical muscular size. So do you look like someone who trains hard and consistently? Do you look like someone who trains like a world-class athlete, like a world-class 
bodybuilder. You know, there's plenty of bodybuilders in every gym you go to. And then there's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then there's Ronnie Coleman and Jay Cutler and these guys that are world-class bodybuilders. Um, so just think about that, guys. Your average gym body is not what they are looking for. So size, speed, agility, flexibility, all these things come from hours of training inside and outside the ring. A lot of it outside the ring, guys, right? Because guess what they haven't listed so far? We need you to be a good bump guy. We need you to be a good front roll guy. Mm -hmm. That's something they have not listed. Now, of course, all that stuff kind of goes into speed and agility. I mean, of course, that's all part of it. But a lot of these things are skills and attributes that you're going to gain inside the gym, not necessarily inside the ring. So for those of you without access to a ring, the fact that those two bullet points and WWE's criteria are about being an athlete, you should be all jacked up and ready to hit the gym. Opportunity right there. That's it, man. That's opportunity right there. No ring needed to gain two of the biggest bullet points that they've listed on their list. So that being said, let's move right along. Aaron, what do we got next? So bullet bullet point number three, personality and charisma. Personality and charisma. So let me break these down and define both of them for you. So let's talk about personality. Those are just the traits, the characteristics that make up someone's distinct character, okay? And I'm just talking about you sitting at your table right here recording right now, sitting, you know, listening with your earbuds in right now. Who are you just as a person? Now apply that personality trait to who you are as a wrestler. What is your distinct character as a wrestler? So think about that. Is your personality, you know, you've got the classic Stone Cold example where his personality and and you know, Steve Austin and Stone Cold's personalities are basically the same. You just turn the volume up to 11. So similar, but there's plenty of people like Mark Calloway and The Undertaker who's completely different scales. So they have two different distinct characters. So be able to define both of those. I want to know who you are as a person. I also want to know who you are as a character. But let's move on to arguably the more important one, charisma. Your compelling attractiveness or your charm that can inspire devotion in others. Now, I know that, that that might sound kind of strange, so let me build upon that even more. Let's use Hulk Hogan as an example, right? So you've got Hulk Hogan, Mr. You know, USA. I am a real American, always coming to save the day. He's larger than life. He's huge. You know, the red and yellow, everything played into that attractiveness, his charm. You know, take your vitamins, say your prayers. Inspired devotion in millions of people, millions of Hulkamaniacs worldwide to this day because of his charisma, because of his attractiveness and charm. So let's talk about charisma. Let's talk about your personality. Let's talk about things that you might be able to change to help you develop those things. So are you optimistic? Are you the kind of person that is always optimistic about you can make this work? I can do this. I can become a pro wrestler without a ring. I can crush this job interview. I can do this. This is, it's going to be a good day today. It's raining. Oh, well, no big deal. Are you optimistic in life? Are you a good listener? Do you actually listen when people talk to you? Are you listening to this podcast and actually absorbing the information in? Are you listening to your your spouse or loved one and really accepting the information that they're giving you? Are you listening to your coach in the gym and actually taking the feedback? If they say, Hey man, you know, you're good at squatting, but you're really weak in the hamstrings. We need to build those up. Are you then, when you're not with your coach, working on those things? Are you doing what he tells you? If he tells you to spend more time on your deadlift than your squat, 
are you actually like, do you, do you, do you go, okay, I know I hate deadlift, but I'm going to go ahead and do it today because my coach told me, or are you like, eh, I'm just going to squat. He's not here. You know, he's going to see your hamstrings the next time too. Are you actually listening and taking that information? Do you have any leadership ability? Are you able to take charge of a situation? Are you able to help people, guide people, you know, pass on knowledge that you have to other people, lead them towards helping achieve their dreams? Even if you haven't achieved your own, that's another important thing. Are you cool with helping people even if you haven't gotten there yet, but you're still working on yours? It's a great, it's a great quality to have. How about being empathetic? So can you sympathize, empathize with other people's troubles, pains, things that they're going through? What if you listen to our podcast and learn all these great free and, and awesome info topics about pro wrestling? Are you then hearing from other people that have the same problem as you and then going, you know what? I can at least pass on the knowledge I've learned from John and Aaron. I can at least pass them a podcast link and let them listen to their, their own. Are you actually taking these skills you learn, passing them on because you're sympathetic, empathetic towards other people's troubles in that same exact situation? So charismatic people typically have convictions and can inspire others. And they always appear strong. They always appear confident even when they are not. So when I'm coaching wrestlers, when I'm coaching people in, in just plain fitness, there are days when I am down and out and I am not feeling it. I am not up to my snuff, but you know what? They're not going to know that. I am going to put forth my absolute best appearance of strength and confidence and I'm going to inspire, hopefully, strength and confidence in them and get them through their workout and push them to be the best person that they can be, even when I'm not feeling my best. It happens. We all get down sometimes. We all get, you know, even if it's just wear and tear, maybe you're exhausted. You didn't get good sleep the, the night before. Maybe the freaking coffee pot broke and you didn't have time to stop at Starbucks on your way. You know, you know, like I, I, there's all kinds of little things and major things that can affect your life. But being an optimistic person, having strong personality, strong charisma, you're always going to appear strong and confident to help others achieve that as well. Do yeah, you, do people yeah. like to be yeah. around you when you are exactly. in the room. It's, it's is... as simple as that, right? Do, do people want to be around you? Like, imagine being a person that no one wants to be around. That's not, that's not the group setting that you want to be in. And Aaron mentioned looking at their website earlier, talking about wanting, you know, hey, NFL, and people who have experience in that, people experience in this. A lot of group sports mentioned in that. Mm -hmm. Do you have a locker room personality? Because yeah. guess what? Pro wrestling, WWE, that's a locker room. If you have never been in a sport a day in your life and then you get dropped into a locker room and you can't play on the team, I mean, come on, guys. Like, if, if you have NFL football experience, you know, basketball, all that good stuff experience, and you're at least used to being in a locker room already, that's a great step in the right direction of having the proper personality that it takes to blend in with another group of like-minded athletes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So... That's, do, you, do people want to be around you? Are you strong and confident? People typically want to be around strong and confident people. Yeah. It inspires strength and confidence in others. So, all right, guys. All right, Aaron, what do we got next? What's next on the list? So bullet point number four, global appeal and diversity. Okay, so this, one, this one's kind of tough, okay? Yeah. So we're talking about global appeal and diversity, all right? So let's try to break those down. We're talking about global appeal, which refers to having qualities that encourage audiences from multiple cultures or backgrounds to connect with you. So having a story that connects to a broad range of audience will help you establish that global appeal. So, I mean, just think about that, guys. Having a story that, that the world can kind of relate to, okay? 
So, I mean, what's an example of not having global appeal? So you can talk about like the more territorial gimmicks that, that you don't see as much often. You'll see in like super local companies nowadays. You saw them a lot back in the days of the actual territories and whatnot in the United States. But gimmicks like, you know, like the rebel flag and hillbilly-esque characters and whatnot. I know there's huge examples out there. So a, a great example would be like the Freebirds who are, who are very much kind of in that area, but then as they progressed and grew, they lost a lot of those things that kept them on a local level, mm-hmm. the the rebel flags and all that good stuff, and they actually just became more of a flamboyant, like they built on their reputation, they transformed, and they went more global with their just their flamboyant attitudes and whatnot. So you have to grow at times, guys. You will outgrow the gimmick that you're having success with in your small local wrestling promotion. You will outgrow that and have to transform, and that's fine. So let's think about things that people can relate to. You know, high-level athletes. So people understand great athleticism, great strength. You know, they see that. They can kind of relate to that. They can say, oh, this dude, he's a crazy athlete. He's Mark Henry's crazy strong. That's something that kind of translates worldwide. Underdogs, right? Why do you think Daniel Bryan became so popular? Being this consummate underdog with the authority figures always beating him down constantly. The people in charge of the company, your boss at your job, never has your back. You're always fighting from underneath, even though you're doing the absolute best thing that you can do. That translates worldwide, right? It sucks. I hope nobody's in a job like that, but I know that they are. I know that it happens. Okay, so underdogs. People with stories of injury comebacks. People who who were told by doctors you know, that they, were, they, would, they would never walk again, and now they're a pro wrestler. That's a story that people can relate to on a global level. You had Zach Gowan. I don't know if you remember him. He had one leg, and he was pretty popular in the WWE for a while competing in the ring. He had matches with Brock Lesnar. The guy has one leg. You know, that, that's kind of a story, and he still, he still wrestled up until recently, I believe, still made money doing it. Um, that's a story that a lot of people can relate to, being told that you are unable to do something because you have this particular trait and overcoming that. So that's something that a lot of people can really, really relate to. Um, you know, Stone Cold and Vince McMahon yeah. fighting against a corrupt management. That's kind of even a higher level of the Daniel Bryan thing. Mm-hmm. So you had one rebel fighting against uh, a corrupt, uh, you know, boss businessman. Um, massive, monstrous characters who dominate Braun Strowman. Or even back in the day, like, uh, I mean, back in the day, you could say Undertaker Kane. You could say uh, Vader. You know, Andre the Giant, these monstrous, larger-than-life characters who, who just absorb, you know, just all-encompass their opponents because they're so powerful. Um, another example would be, like, extreme wealth, right? So, million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Anybody can hate a guy that's just rich and rubs it in your face, right? So, that's, that's – and remember that. We're talking about heels and baby faces, okay? So, yes, I am considering Ted DiBiase global appeal, even though, really, it's global hate. But right. that's okay because they're paying money to watch Hulk Hogan beat this guy up, mm-hmm. right? You know, but you, everybody can relate to this super rich guy rubbing it in your face and you not liking it. So let's, let's move on a little bit. Let's talk about diversity. So you've got diversity referring to people from a different range of ethnic and social backgrounds, be that race, gender, etc. So this really breaks down, guys, to just knowing your audience, okay? Don't do anything that's going to that's gonna, you know, push one version of an audience away, right? Like to be appealing, be diverse for everyone, be the good guy for everyone that's out there watching you, no matter, you know, no matter what color they are, what gender they are. If you're attempting to establish global appeal through diversity, 
then keep in mind who your audience is, right? Remember that not just the people you grew up around are watching you, mm-hmm. all right? Just keep that in mind. That's the best way to, to keep diversity because you can't change your, your race or ethnicity. Like You can't change that, but you can appeal to all different ranges of it, okay? Everybody loved Hulk Hogan, right? I mean, this, it's, just, it's just because of the confidence and the larger-than-life character. So you don't have to be the same race or gender as someone to appeal to someone. So just keep your audience in mind the whole time while you're doing it. All right, y'all. Let's move right along. All right, Aaron. What is next on the list? Last bullet point here, John. We oh, got, cool. We got coachability, work ethic, and professionalism. All right. All right. So this is something that anyone who, well, first of all, has had a coach. So if you've had a coach, if you've been in sports, you might be able to relate to coachability. Then you've got work ethic and professionalism. If you've had a job in your life, you've probably had some instances of this, but let's break this down and let's kind of relate it to pro wrestling. So let's talk about coachability. A person who is receptive to feedback, to receiving constructive criticism, and who uses that feedback to improve his or her own workplace performance. Now, that might be at your job, that might be in the gym, on the football team, or it might be in the pro wrestling Locker room. I see it so many times. I see people say, hey, would you watch my match tonight and let me know what you think? Okay, cool. I'll watch it. And then when they come back through the curtain and they ask you, what did you think? And you give them honest, if it is truly honest feedback and critiques, they immediately take it as an attack against them. And they only think that you're criticizing them to make yourself look good or just to make them look bad. I don't know. But you can't take criticism as an attack against you, okay? Not all of the critiques um, that, that, that are given to you are going to be you know, relatable right then and there. But you can typically look back at your match, watch it with that thought in mind, what the person said to you. you know, be thankful, be respectful that they, gave, they, they took the time to watch your match and honestly give you some feedback. Be it in live in person or maybe if you sent them a match. You know, I've watched a couple matches for people recently. Um, watch their match with those thoughts in mind when they give you that feedback. If they tell you like, hey, you should have zigged when you zagged at the beginning of the match, it would have made way more sense to the fans. Watch that match and go, okay, let me, let me look at this. What would have happened if I would have zigged right here instead of zagged? And then you can be like, holy crap, I can see that. I see exactly what they were thinking. Mm-hmm. So watch it with that thought in mind. Um, could you make some simple adjustments to improve? You know, and the coachability, you know, all the way back to what Aaron was saying earlier about strength and conditioning. I mean, if your coach is telling you we need to work on your hamstrings, here's a hamstring routine I need you to do right now in front of me. And now I need you to do this two times a week without me as well. Are you going to take that, run with that, use that? I mean, are you a coachable person who, who knows, hey, I, I've hired this person to do this for me. They see that I need this strength, this weakness. I've got a, I've got a weak link in my chain. They're trying to fix it for me. So are you going to take that, run with it, and actually use it? Be receptive to feedback, guys. You can get a long way with it. And what I like in yeah. uh, guys that I'm training uh-huh. as far as coachability, and th- this is hard with the internet, but a mm-hmm. lot of people, you write like, you know, I'm all in. If you're paying me to yeah. get you in shape, I am all in. Absolutely. And I am going to get you there. I mean, I'm going to put all my effort to yes. get you to where you need to be. And, you know, you take, take the time. You write a good program out. You have it set. And then it's okay if you question a little bit, like, hey, coach, yeah. why am I doing this? Sure. But with the internet, what happens is a lot of guys start looking at all this other stuff, yeah, and they're yeah, like, yeah. oh, man, well, The Rock was doing this, and yes. this guy was doing this and this. And I always have to come back, listen, if you're going to have a coach yep. and be coachable, you have to put 100% trust right. in the coach, just like 
Um, they're giving to you. They're giving you 100% effort. Right. You need to be able to trust the program, yes. trust the process. And that, to a coach, like that to me, mm-hmm. when they say, I'm in coach, this, if this is what you say, yeah. then I'm doing it, that, that, that makes me work even, even harder. Even harder, right? Yeah. So to me, that coachability is that. It's putting trust in the coach to know that yes. the money you're spending on them is going to get you to where you want to be. Absolutely. Go all in. You do not get to complain about the results you didn't get from the work you didn't do. Okay, so that's one of my favorites, and that's just something to think about when you're hiring a coach and when you're trying to be coachable and you're thinking about your mindset when it comes to people asking you what to do in terms of that. So let's move on a little bit from coachability to the next point on there, which is work ethic. So work ethic, the attitude of determination and dedication towards your own job or the task that you're trying to do right now. So if you have a strong work ethic, you believe in the importance of what you're doing and typically feel that hard work is essential to maintain a strong character. So regardless of of who's looking at you in the moment, you're still trying to work hard because you have a you have a strong work ethic, okay? You know that it's essential to actually achieve what the goal is, to make your job the best that it can possibly be. So employees with uh, with excellent work ethic are often considered by employers for opportunities for special projects because they're reliable. They're dedicated and they're disciplined. So guess what, guys? You want to be the world champ? You want to be the next champion, intercontinental champion, world champion, tag team champion, anything? Do you have the hardest work ethic of all the tag teams there? Do you have the hardest work ethic of all the people in line for the for the intercontinental championship? I mean, it does it does play a huge point, guys. Having that strong work ethic. Are you there? Are you are you someone who's complaining constantly about why is it not me? Why is it not me? Are you someone that just has head down, eyes forward, and they're just working hard to achieve it. That gets noticed, okay? That gets noticed by people. So please, maintain that hard work ethic and think about ways that you can improve the work ethic that you already have. And ways to do that, we're going to move on to the next point in there, which is professionalism. Mm -hmm. So here's another one of my favorite sayings. I got plenty of them. Here's another one. So professionalism is not the job you do. It's the way that you do the job. That's professionalism. Consistently seeking high standards in front of and behind the scenes. Whether your boss is watching or not watching, your coworkers are watching or not watching, you know that you have a job and you know that the only way to do it is the best way. Okay, The best way to do it is to do it right every time. And you get upset if you don't do it right. And you know, don't beat yourself up, but I'm saying... You are constantly trying to achieve the highest standard that you possibly can. So as a professional, you get the job done. And I I really wanted to close on professionalism because I think it relates perfectly to what we are doing, which is, hey, guess what? How to become a professional wrestler. So as a professional, you get the job done and you get it done well. Your abilities match the requirements of your role and you often produce, and this is absolutely your goal, you often produce results that exceed expectations, okay? So get in there, do the job, and do it right. Because if, if you take nothing else from anything I've said, anything Aaron and I have talked about, we want you to be a professional, okay? Because that's what it's about. We want you to learn these things, learn them well, Achieve them well. And if you take all these great points that we took directly from the WWE's recruitment website, guys, are you kidding me? We just broke down all these points directly from their page. 
And the last thing that they list, but remember what I've said on here before, what's everybody going to remember? They're going to remember the last thing that happened in that ring, right? So here's the last thing we're talking about on this podcast. Be a professional. What do you think, Aaron? What do you think about all these bullet points and what we went through today, what we talked about today? John, if I, if I was looking to be a wrestler, yeah. I wouldn't focus on anything but these five bullet points, I mean, man. right. Right. I mean, yeah. it's listed on the website. I'm, I mean, I was super jacked whenever I was I was sure. scrolling through, and I found that. And I mean, I would just be hitting these yes. consistently. And I mentioned this before. What it doesn't say is that you have to have ten years on the indie circuit. That's right. It 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 doesn't say that, right? So, guys, all those bullet points we just listed. Guess what's not on there? Um, ten years as an indie wrestler. You know. I want you to be a wrestler because that's your dream. And I want you to go out there and I want you to perform locally and whatnot as well. Yeah. But wait, if you are, are so, so this, here's the thing. I, I, I've heard it a couple times that our podcast is great. People love listening to it. Current wrestlers and potential wrestlers love listening to it. But sometimes we talk about things that are more geared towards people that are not yet wrestlers. Here is where I'm hitting you with the hard truth. There is a chance, probably a really good chance, that you would be better off canceling your next few bookings as a wrestler and pushing yourself super hard in the gym instead. If you're really trying to break through to the next level, how much more beneficial is another 10 minute match in a gym locally going to be for you as opposed to another, however many hours that you save on the drive, the travel, all these good, the the wear and tear on your own body putting yourself into the gym or into a coach's programming to help you become a absolute true main event professional like we want to get for you right here, right now, guys. Mm -hmm. So I hope you took some great stuff away from this episode. I'm all jacked up just talking about it. It's such great information. I love it. Guys, please share your favorite episode. Share this episode. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you thought about this one. Head on over to Facebook. Join our group. Please, Please rate review, and subscribe this episode and any episode you've listened to. Give us a share. It helps us so much in the algorithm to get noticed, and it helps us provide more free pro wrestling training every single week for you. Thank you so much for listening. This has been How to Become a Pro Wrestler, the podcast, where we teach you the skills you need to go from your living room to the main event. Don't wait for your opportunity, guys. Take it.